Hi, you're listening to Coffee and Books, and I'm your host, Scott. Hope all of you are having a good time. This has been a long couple of weeks. I apologize about the delay, but I want to explain a little bit why I was delayed. Um, I was delayed because I have been traveling, and I managed to go to Portugal for a vacation. I just got back. Um, I was able to get some reading done while I was there, so... I will be putting out two podcasts this week to make up for some of the lost time. Uh, Today's episode, though, we're going to talk, before we get into my Portugal travels, we're going to talk about my current fantasy book that I just finished reading called The Sword of Shonanara by Terry Brooks. And that book was published in the early 1970s. It drew heavy inspiration from Lord of the Rings. We're going to talk all about it today. All the good, juicy bits. But uh, first of all, if you've never been here before, my name is Scott. Hi, I'm the guy who runs this podcast, Coffee and Books, where we talk about, of course, whatever I'm reading at the moment, whether it be manga, magazines, books, uh, recipes, whatever you really feel like talking about, I'm the guy who pretty much reads it and talks to you about it. Um, I have a very, very long record of doing this podcast. I've been doing it for over two years. Uh, which is hard to believe. Uh, I believe it'll be almost three years starting in March, uh, near my birthday. So that's a pretty cool little tidbit fact for you there. And if you don't know already, um, if you have book suggestions or you would like to email me, please feel free to uh, you know, visit me by email. Uh, my email is scottbernstein16 at yahoo.com. Or you can also reach me on my Patreon page, where you could make suggestions about what you want me to read next. I would love to hear from you. Feedback about this episode is always appreciated. Uh, But now let's get into it. Okay, so we're talking about fantasy books today. And I know all of you are like me. Whenever you think of fantasy books, the first thing you're going to think of is one of two things, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. And for me, Lord of the Rings was the biggest deal on the block for a very, very long time. And all other fantasy novels, unfortunately, have to be compared to that, especially if they came out around the same time. Terry Brooks is an amazing author and has had tons of success in showcasing the genre, but he came out right around the time of Lord of the Rings. So his stuff will be compared to Lord of the Rings pretty heavily. And that's okay. But that's just the first thing I like to tell people going in, is that this guy is good, but you can clearly tell a lot of the same similarities. Okay, this novel interweaves two major plots into a fictional world called The Four Lands. One follows the protagonist, Shay Amsford, on his quest to gain the sword of Shannara and use it to confront the warlock lord, who is the antagonist in the story. The other plot shadows Prince Balinor, uh, Buchanan's attempt to oust his insane brother Palance from the throne of Calahorn, while the country and its capital, Tyrus, uh, come under attack from overwhelming armies of the Warlord Lock, or Warlock Lord. Uh, the novel contains themes of mundane heroism and nuclear holocaust throughout. That's a lot to unpack there in that little opening tidbit, so let's kind of get into it. Uh, the Four Lands, basically... Pretty self-explanatory, but basically you have a fantasy world where, in this case, everything that was scientific was destroyed. All that was left was four different races. Uh, You know, you have elves, men, 
you have trolls, um, you, or you have gnomes, uh, and then you have dwarves. And so basically all are competing for the resources of basically the four lands. Um, there is magic that is discovered. Uh, and so we don't quite know if that's scientific magic yet or if that's going to be like, you know, they have magical abilities and powers. But so far, it seems to be leaning towards the magical ability side. Um, okay, so main plot, basically, you know, you're a wizard, Harry, you know, the main guy discovers that he is a chosen one. He's the one who is destined to save the kingdom, uh, and that's a pretty big deal. So you got that plot point going on. And then on the other side, what's more interesting to me is you have a dwarf who is basically um, the king of a, or rather prince of a kingdom at first, and then his brother basically overpowers and becomes prince of the kingdom. And, you know, they have to fight each other for control over this kingdom to decide the fate of the entire uh, planet. So pretty intense battles there. Uh, but, uh, of course, the brother is insane. Um, he's manipulated psychologically by an underling who kind of uses that to his advantage. Um, you know, we have this evil warlord, uh, you know, with magic war, warlock with magic powers, who is also manipulating him. There's a lot of bad magical evil stuff going on in this land. So uh, all the good guys got to watch out pretty much because, you know, you look over your shoulder and your best friend might be trying to kill you in this type of show. All right. Um, you know, again, little this is a little blurb about the J.R.R. Tolkien comparison. Critics derided the novel for being derivative of J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Some accused the Brook, uh, books, or Brooks of lifting the entire plot and many of his characters directly from Tolkien's work. Um, although I personally did not feel that way, I definitely saw the inspiration behind it. Um, you can most commonly see this and refer to the fact that, you know, there's not just men and elves and dwarves and, you know, races that are similar, but rather, you know, the elf stones in this book series is very similar to the ring, which is very powerful in Lord of the Rings. Um, both basically have magical abilities that basically give the user complete control. Um, you know, there's bad guys that are chasing them down throughout the major part of the story um you know there's an evil guy that we don't know a whole lot much about but who's basically controlling the whole thing you know basic some more plot points but nothing super i think identical um okay the sword of shannara's events take place two thousand years after the great wars a nuclear holocaust that wiped out most of the planet these wars rearranged the planet's geography and wiped out most of human life on Earth. Only traces of technological artifacts have been found. Most advanced technology has been lost, but magic has been rediscovered. During this time, mankind mutated into several distinct races, humans, dwarves, gnomes, and trolls, all named after creatures from age-old myths. Also, elves began to emerge after having been in seclusion and hiding for centuries. Um, okay, several centuries after the first war of the races, Brona, who is the warlock lord, now with his evil companions, the skull bearers, his servants, uh, chronicled in the prequel novel, First King of Shinara, uh, the second war of races begins with the destruction of the Druid order. The Druids are being the magical order that is basically keeping the peace in the kingdom. Um, a lone Druid Bremen forces a magical talisman 
that can destroy the Warlock Lord. It is given to the Elven King, uh, Jural Shannara, hence the name of the book. As it takes the form of a blade, the talisman is called the Sword of the Shannara. It succeeds in banishing the Warlock. He is not killed, however, but his army is defeated by the combined armies of the Elves and Dwarves. Peace comes at a high price until racial tension is renewed and the Druids have vanished. Again, this is the basically the plot point of the prequel book, which came out many, many years later. But that is basically the summary of what happened in order to get the plot to its first basic point of the story, which is basically, you know, there was a sword that was forged that can defeat this evil warlock. Um, if only somebody of the bloodline of the Shannara can wield it, then that person would have complete control in order to fight back the king, or rather the evil king, the evil warlock. And why do I say uh, only that person can do it? It's sort of a defect with the talisman, which we kind of learn about later. Um, again, we're going to learn all about the plot points. So again, there's going to be a lot more spoilers. So just a heads up going into the next part of the story. We're going to definitely talk about it, but I do want to mention, if you like what you heard so far, don't forget to share this podcast. Okay, so the deal with this whole thing is that, uh, you know, the the best way to describe it is that the main character is a plot point. You know, he is somebody who the, you know, warlock lord can just basically remove. Um, and I know it seems kind of silly, but, you know, there's a couple options here. In order to destroy the kingdom, the Warlock Lord basically has all of these options. He can A, uh, hide the sword from everyone, which he basically succeeds at doing through a large portion of the book. Uh, two, he can keep, uh, you know, the sword hidden and kill, you know, the main character, which we definitely see a lot of that happening, you know, where they're trying to attempt on, you know, the main character's life. Um, also, three, the other plot point is he could take over the kingdom before the sword is found. So all those are simultaneously going on. Okay, next. Alrighty, now we got a little bit more plot point. Five centuries after the prequel events, the Amshford family of Shady Vale, kind of like the Hobbit area of this land in the Southland, takes in half-elven child Shay who is the main character of her story. He takes the name Amsford and is raised as a brother to the family's son, Flick. Becoming inseparable, the brothers run the family in. Uh, so Shay and Flick are brothers, basically by adoption, but they are basically blood brothers. You know, they are as close as can be. Um, wherever one is, the other one is as well. They both are heavily involved in the plot of the story. Uh, sometime later, the last druid, Analon, arrives in a shady vale. Uh, this guy gave him major Aragon vibes. So if you are anywhat familiar with Lord of the Rings, you'll understand that reference. But basically, tall, dark guy with brown hair who is wearing a hood and is basically very mysterious. That describes his character. Okay. Alon warns the Amsford brothers that the Warlock Lord has returned to the Skull Kingdom and is in the Northland and is coming for Shay. As the last descendant of Jural Shannara, Shay is the only one capable of wielding the sword of Shannara against the Warlock Lord. Alon departs, leaving Shay three blue elf stones for protection. He tells Shay to flee at the sign of a skull. 
A few leaks later, a creature bearing a symbol of the skull shows up. A skull bear, one of the warlock lord's winged black destroyers, has arrived to search for Shay. Uh, interestingly enough in the story, we actually don't have a great description of what these monsters look like. But, you know, you can imagine them using your own imagination there. Um, the brothers are forced to flee with the skull bearer on their heels. They take refuge in a nearby city of Lei, where they find Shay's friend Menion, the son of the city's lord. Menion decides to accompany the two, and he travels with them to Callhaven to meet with Alon. While at Callhaven, they are joined by a prince of Calhorn, Balinor, Buckhanna, and two elven brothers, Durin and Dale Ellisdale, and their dwarf Hendel. So now you kind of got a fellowship going on, which is, again, another similarity to Lord of the Rings, specifically the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, the party sets out for Paranor, but along the way, Shay falls over a waterfall and becomes separated from the group. Alon spurs the group to continue to Paranor. Once there, the party gets into a battle with the minions of the Warlock Lord, and they find that the Sword of Shannara has already been removed. The party then learns that the Warlock Lord's invasion of the Southland, and then has to decide to split up to do what they can to stop it. Again, another similarity to Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship is broken, and those characters all go their own directions. This also happens in the story as well. Okay. And now we're going on to the next one. Alrighty. Disguised by Alon, Flick infiltrates an enemy camp and rescues captive elven kings. Uh, Elventine Ellisdale. At the same time, in Kern, Menion saves a woman named Cheryl Ravenlock and falls in love with her. They organize an evacuation of Kern before the Northland army reaches the city. Um, a very cool plot point that was, was very different in this story was the uh, character's minion falling in love with Cheryl Ravenlock, which I thought was a nice little touch of a, uh, a low-born prince meeting a powerful queen and then falling in love with her. And you know that being, a, I think, a subplot of the story, but also has great potential for future books. Um, Balinor returns to Tyrus to activate the Border Legion, only to find that it has been disbanded. The Border Legion is the last sort of realm's defense against everything. Um, I like to think of this as like the Riders of Rohan. Uh, again, another Lord of the Rings reference. Uh, Balinor is then imprisoned by his insane brother Palance, Buckhanna, who has taken control of, of Calahorn's rule. His advisor, Stenin, has driven the Palance insane with drugs, making him his prawn. Uh, with help from Menion, Balinor escapes and confronts both Palance and Stenemann. Uh Practically cornered, Stenemann stabs Palance at a distance and flees. Um, so a lot to unpack there. Basically, again, another similarity, but we have Stenemann, who's kind of like the evil mastermind behind the whole thing. Uh, he's not really seen as having magic powers, but we see him as willingly betraying his own people so that this warlock lord can have control over everyone. Um, we're guessing that he was promised something, but we don't know exactly what yet. And we are seeing that uh, you know he was manipulating other people in the kingdom. Um, now commanded by Balinor, Calhorn's reformed border legion marches out to Tyrus, or out of Tyrus, and engages Northland army at the Moderman River, killing many Northlanders being forced to pull back. Uh, the border legion retreats to Ty Tyrus and makes preparations for defense. During the siege of Tyrus, Hendel and Menion come 
upon Stemmen and some of his supporters. Hendel is killed, but Menyonen kills Stemmen. After three days, the border legion is beaten back from the outer wall of Tyrus, and as a result of treachery, the wall falls when the traitors destroy the locks on the main gate, jamming it open. At the defender's last stand on the bridge of Sendik, the Northlanders abruptly break and run. So we're sort of like, what just happened? Why did these uh, Northlanders, you know, the bad guys, why did they decide to leave and flee? Well, we're about to find out. In the Northland, after being captured by gnomes, Shay is rescued by the one-handed thief Panamon, uh, Creole, and his mutual companion, Kelstet. Uh, journeying to the Northland, they reach the Skull Kingdom, where the insane gnome deserter, Oral Fane, has carried the sword of Shemnara. So the sword was stolen by Oral Fane, and we're going to say why in just a moment here. Infiltrating the warlock lord's fortress in the Skull Mountain, Shay reaches the sword and unsheathes it. He learns about its true power, the ability to confront those with the truth about their lives. The warlock lord materializes and tries to destroy Shay, but the youth stands his ground and confronts his enemy with the sword. Although immune to physical weapons, the warlock lord vanishes after being forced to confront the truth about himself. He had deluded himself into believing that he is immortal, but this is impossible. The sword forces him to confront this paradox, and it kills him. Uh, Kelset sacrifices himself to save his companions during the Skull Kingdom's destruction as it's falling apart. In the south, the Northland army retreats after the Warlock Lord's downfall. Alon saves Shay's life and reveals him as Bremen's centuries-old son before disappearing into the Druid, the Druid sleep. Peace returns to the Four Lands. Belnor takes up his country's rule, while Dale and Durin return to the Westland with the Elves, and Menion returns to Lay with Cheryl. Shay and Flick reunite and return to the Shady Vale. End of book one. Alrighty, so that is basically the plot of everything. And now, we're going to talk about some quotes from the book that I liked. Herein lies the heart and soul of the nations. Their right to be free men, their desire to live in peace, their courage to seek out truth. Here lies the sword of Shannara. Um, Central governments have always been a danger to mankind was another great quote from this book. And either you believed in something or you didn't. You couldn't have it both ways and be honest with yourself. Uh, There were many, many good quotes in this book that I enjoyed. But basically, that is the summary of this book series. It is a multiple book series. So I recommend it, and uh, if you have any questions or concerns regarding this book, again, you can email me, scottbernstein16 at yahoo.com. Okay, so what did I give the rating of this book? That's probably the question all of you are asking. So I give this book a 3 out of 5, and here's why, a 3. To me, this is always going to be not as good as the original. And while I'm a very passionate fantasy person and love fantasy books, There's just so many fantasy books out there, so much to choose from, and it's hard to nail down and read a multiple book series when I have so many books to read. And by the time I get around to reading the sequel, I may not even remember the events of this book. So, having said all that, I did enjoy it for what it was, a entertainment book that was pretty long, that lasted many, many weeks, that definitely was creative and enticing and created a very big world universe but it didn't grab a hold of me as much as other previous fantasy universes have. And I would say the majority of the characters are forgettable. In fact, I had a hard time throughout the book of trying to figure out you know, which elf was which or which dwarf was which. 
um, particularly through when they were in the fellowship together. Um, and I know that sounds kind of stupid, but think of, thinking back to the fellowship in Lord of the Rings, and I hate to keep comparing it to that, but again, that is the best way to, to talk about this series, is that you know you had very distinct characters in Lord of the Rings. Yes, there were multiple hobbits, and yes, there were you know different companions, but you know each character was unique, and you could determine who was who. I felt that this story was not the case. Um, Terry Brooks is still writing books, uh, even today, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I recommend checking out his other books, and if you like this one, uh, again, please be sure to share off a friend. Um, I'm proud of this episode. I spent a lot of time researching it. Um, I'm going to be continuing um, on my next podcast pretty soon. It is about Portugal, particularly one book that I read that is going to be about it and it's called the last cabalist of lisbon and if you have any interest in history you're going to like that one uh, because it talks all about medieval portugal and the history behind portuguese and in particular the spanish inquisition um, so that's my next book that i'm almost done with i'm excited to bring that one up to you guys uh, but i still don't have anything after that yet um, i have tons of books i'll probably pick one at random but if I hear from you guys that there's a book I need to check out, please let me know. Um, also, this episode is brought to you by Goodreads. Um, if you haven't heard of Goodreads, I recommend it. And I'm ending on Goodreads because Goodreads is how I'm keeping track of everything that I'm trying to read right now. Um, it's a very, very long list. Uh, Goodreads allows me to go back um, however long ago, and I can see when I heard about a book, usually because somebody told me about it, and then I can go back to that and then add that to my reading pile when I am ready. Um, I have, like I said, tons of books that I've ordered recently for the holidays. That's my gift to myself this year. Um, I ordered a ton of books, so I will be busy reading throughout the year, but that doesn't mean that I won't, uh, you know, every now and then get a chance to knock a, two, a book or two off of my list. Um, I have a pretty massive to-read list, and Goodreads helps me with that. And Goodreads is also good because they have contests, you can enter and win free books that are mailed to your address, or if you're, that's if you're lucky, of course, but even if you're not lucky, it does come in handy because it is a version of social media destined to help you find the next book. It has recommendations, it has ratings, it has quotes of books, it has pictures, icons, all types of things to help you find your next read. So goodreads.com, check it out if you don't have an account already. And finally, my name is Scott. It was great talking to all of you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Goodbye.